just a moment to pray together Wesley's covenant prayer. But before we do that, we want to consider what covenant means and, and why it, it, would, it might be important at the start of a new year to consider what benefit there might be, what reason there might be, what might spur us to think of God's covenant faithfulness to us and then what our lives lived in response could look like. How does that impact the world around us? How does that impact our lives? We turn in Scripture to a beautiful depiction of the renewal of covenant. We'll be in 2 Kings chapter 23. We'll read verses 1 through 3 if you're able Please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. If, if that's difficult for you, then just in the posture of your heart, stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Hear these words from 2 Kings, chapter 23, beginning with verse 1. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. <clears throat> he went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people, from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Maybe see him. <clears throat> so we see here the power of covenant, the power of the reading of God's covenant word, and we could even say the power of the reading of God's word, the power that exists in the reading of the word of God. In Hebrews chapter 4, the author of Hebrews writes that God's word is living and active, and you'll often hear me pray as, as we begin to step into our time in the word, that the word would be, as it says of itself, living and active, active, that it would penetrate us to the deepest parts of who we are, that we would not leave this place unchanged. That in the opening of God's word, we trust and believe that the Holy Spirit works in our midst, in our hearts, in our minds, to accomplish something as we read the Word of God. And this is what we see having happened and what we see happening as King Josiah reads uh, God's Word, God's covenant uh, before the people. And, and this, the, the book of the law, this would be uh, the reading of what we have and what we know as the book of Deuteronomy. So imagine, I, I just read uh, four verses, but imagine, if you will, the king is standing in front of the pillar. All of the people from the least to the greatest are gathered there, and the book of Deuteronomy in its entirety is read. I'm not going to do that for us, uh, so anything that I do short of that, you're going to feel like, Vern, thanks so much for getting us out so quickly. I do, however, have a few thoughts. (laughs) It's important for us to understand who King Josiah is in order to appreciate what has happened here. If we were to go back and and just for a bit of context, you could just flip back a chapter to the beginning of uh, 2 Kings chapter 22. The author of Kings records this for us. 
Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adaiah. She was from Bozkoth. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father, David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Notice there, uh, and, and if, you, if you know kind of the lineage of, of the kings of, of Israel, you know that uh, King Josiah is, is not the, the direct heir to the throne uh, of, of King David. That, that, that Josiah was not, in fact, an immediate son uh, to David. However, the author of Kings records Josiah as following completely the ways of his father, David. Why is that? Josiah, next to King David, who we know uh, was a man after God's heart, which ought to give all of us incredible hope in the restorative, redeeming power of God when we consider uh, what one of the things that kind of marks David's reign uh, as king, and and that is adultery and and murder, if you were to read the story of King David. But when when David was, was found out, uh, when, when the Holy Spirit through Nathan brought to David um, this rebuke for what he had done, David, as we will read in a moment in Psalm 51, was cut to the heart and confessed his shortcomings, confessed his sin uh, before the Lord and asked that God would restore to him the joy of his salvation, that God would not remove his spirit from him. And, and so... To, to be considered a person after God's heart does not mean that you, you follow God without blemish because none of us can do that. There's only one who has done that and his name is Jesus. It means that, that in following the Lord, in walking in covenant relationship with the Lord, in those moments where we recognize that we have fallen short, in those moments where our sin is revealed to us, where we, we realize the effects of sin in our lives and the effects of our sin in the lives of others, that we, we seek forgiveness. We seek to throw ourselves on the life-changing power of the grace of God. And, and what an incredible thing for us to do here at the start of a new year. Right, Because we, we begin a new year, it's as if the turn of a calendar somehow means for us a clean slate. Like everything that happened in, in 2022, we can say, well, that, that was that. And while we may still you know, feel the effects of it, we can, it, it, the turn of a calendar means for us something new. Although I did read this morning uh, that, that Atomic Fireballs, the candy, is being discontinued as of last night. And so I think we're already off to a terrible start uh, in 2023. So I would like to ask for another redo, and, uh, and I'm not you know, saying you should go out and buy up all the atomic fireballs, although if you do, then that may be a wise investment uh, for you. Bojangles stopped carrying cinnamon biscuits last year, you know, so we can, we can say, well, that was last year, but, but I read that atomic fireballs uh, are going to be discontinued and may be only offered on special occasions. I, I would like to, I don't know, if anybody has any pull with that company, let's see if we can do something about that. But... We approach the start of a new year with this sense of hope, as if somehow the turn of a calendar gives us a new opportunity. And so we often spend time, and I encourage you to do this, to spend time evaluating your life. The question is, what are you evaluating your life against, or who are you evaluating your life against? If Josiah, as king, even as an eight-year-old king, but certainly at some point during his reign, if Josiah were to measure himself against the kings that have gone before him, then Josiah could say, I'm a darn good king. 
Because all of the kings that have gone before him, many of the kings that have gone before him, the reason that Israel, the reason that the northern kingdom, the reason that the southern kingdom of Judah finds themselves in the state in which they are in, a, a state of shambles, a state of having, uh, having experienced exile, a, a state of having been overthrown by, by powerful nations around them. They find themselves in the place that they are in because of the unfaithfulness of, of, of kings that have gone before Josiah. So if Josiah is measuring himself against those kings, then, then Josiah could say, I, I am in fact an excellent king. I am a king after God's heart. But what we see is that it's not other kings, other rulers, or even other kingdoms that Josiah measures himself against. It is the word, the covenant word of God against which Josiah measures himself. So as you are considering the, the start of a new year, as you are considering resolutions, and, and I, I, would, I would charge all of us to consider instead covenant. What does it mean to enter into a covenant promise, a covenant relationship with the Lord, rather than just looking at our lives and saying, you know, I, I, I want to make a resolution to lose some weight, to eat better, to work out more, to read more. What, I mean, the list goes on, the things that, that we want to do. And none of those things in and of themselves are, are bad. We should want to be the healthiest version of ourselves that we can be. We should want to be educated. We should want to spend more time with people that we love. But we have to be careful that what we are, are attempting to do is not to become a better version of who we already are. Jesus did not come and, and walk this earth and give his life to make you a better version of yourself. Jesus gave his life so that your life might be transformed, so that you might become, for the world around you, a reflection of who he is. In 2 Corinthians, we read that, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, I'm paraphrasing. You hear me say this a lot if you attend Crossroads, but I think it's so important for us to, to wrap our minds around this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is transformation. That we, who with unveiled faces, are, are going on to reflect the Lord's glory. We are be becoming more like Christ if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. Uh, John Wesley called this sanctifi sanctification. We are going on to perfection, to become perfected in our love of God and our love for other people. And it's the Holy Spirit that works to accomplish that in us. But as long as we are measuring ourselves next to people around us, then it's easy for us to kind of pick and choose and say, I'm in pretty good shape. I'm, I'm doing pretty well for myself. I'm, I'm faithful in my, my, my time in Scripture. I'm, I'm attending church regularly. I've already said, hey, if, you're, if, if your uh, hope for this New Year is to t attend church more, you're off to a great start because you're here. But what happens next Sunday and what happens the following Sundays? As long as we are measuring ourselves against other people in terms of our faithfulness as followers of Christ, then, then we can always find someone who is, who is maybe struggling a little bit more than we are. But God's intention is never that we measure ourselves against others. God's intention is that we look to Jesus as the example and that we realize that we all fall short of the example that Jesus set. But the hope for us is that in Christ we are forgiven. In Christ we have the opportunity to say at the start of each day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. To say his mercies truly are new every morning. The fact that each of us is here, the fact that those of you who are watching online are watching, the fact that we're able to draw breath, the fact that when you were at your most vulnerable last night as you slept, that the Lord sustained you. You didn't tell your heart to beat. You didn't tell your lungs to draw breath. And yet we're here. God has given us the gift of a new day.
The question is, what do we do with this day? Because as, as God sees fit, we will have the gift of tomorrow. What do we do with tomorrow? And we've already lifted up and, and just want to, as Ed said, encourage you again to, to pray for those who have experienced loss. But we realize how fragile life is. And yet we live life as if we have an infinite number of tomorrows. In Christ we do. But our time here on this earth as we know it, at some point will come to an end. And I wonder for us as a church, as a community of faith, what would it look like if we lived each day like we believed we would see Jesus return in our lifetime? It changes our priorities. It changes the things that we pursue and that we chase. It changes what what we work for and what we strive for. So King Josiah, because he was a king after God's heart, because he was raised in the spirit of David, because he was raised to appreciate the word of God, because he, he, he was raised to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, to follow completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left from the ways of God. We read, <clears throat> this is uh, again in 2 Kings 22, uh, in, his 18, in the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshalem, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrust it to the men appointed to, the, to, to supervise the work of the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. So one of the things that, that uh, Josiah realizes is that for the people of God, their identity is tied to worship and their worship is connected to the temple. And so in order to help the people remember who they are as God's people, he, he, he sees and, and is compelled by the Lord to rebuild the temple, to, to create some reform, to rebuild that which was ruined and, and Part of his reform, if you were to, um, to read on further in chapter 23, uh, we realize that one of the things that Josiah does is to, to recognize that part of what has affected the people of God and, and the leadership of the kings that have gone before him is that they have, they have worshipped idols. They have set up um, altars to these false gods and these, these idols. And so as a way of reforming the nation, uh, King Josiah decrees that all of these things should be just torn to the ground. And, and the reason that, that he's compelled to do this, in verse 8 in chapter 22, Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. And, and this wasn't a situation in Nehemiah's case where the, the book of the law was like lost in the rubble. It hadn't been hidden somewhere. Friends, it was a case of the book of the law of God's word, if you will, being neglected being forgotten. And so as we neglect the ordering of our lives under God's word, as we neglect the ordering of our lives under the book of the law as as God's people did under the the leadership of unfaithful kings, then 
we begin to, to live by a truth that we create for ourselves. We begin to allow an enemy who convinces us that God is withholding something from us. We begin to allow that enemy to, to convince us that there is a truth we ought to live our lives by. And the problem is when I'm living my life by my truth and you're living your life by your truth and you're living your life by your truth, what happens when those truths don't line up and when they compete with one another? We see that that's, that's one of the reasons that, that it, it seems difficult for, for people and people groups to get along, that we have so much strife in this world because we are ordering our lives according to our own truth rather than trying to live our lives uh, according to a truth that is outside of us and that is fixed. And that is the fullness of who God is and who God calls us to be according to his word. So Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book and Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. And Listen to this. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. When he heard the words from the book of the law, he tore his robes. For a king, for the people of God to, the people of God to rend one's garments was, was an act of contrition. It was an act of, act of humbling themselves. Josiah, for as much as he had already begun to do for the people of God and helping them remember who they are as God's chosen people. And, and, and simply what he had done already, if he had measured that against the kings that had gone before him, then Josiah would have felt like he was, he was doing right by the Lord. But when, when his life and his reign and his role as king... Because the king often acted as, 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 in some ways, the mediator between God and, and the people. In, in some ways, was, was, the high, was the high priest, was the one who, who helped direct the people in, in the ways of God. When Josiah held his life up next to the book of the law, and who God called and commanded his people to be, Josiah realized that he fell short. And in an act of humility and an act of contrition, he rends his garments. He is moved to humble himself. He is, he is moved to repent. But not only for himself, on behalf of the nation, on behalf of the people of God. And so this is where we see in our text that I read when we began, then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. This gift of God's word, this gift of the way that God orders things and intends for us to live as his people is for all, is for all people. In a moment, we will have the opportunity to approach the Lord's table together, and, and you will hear from, from Pastor Ed, this is the Lord's table. It's not, it's not our table it's not the United Methodist Church's table. It's the Lord's table. All people, from the least to the greatest, he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart, all his soul, 
thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. This covenant that was made and, and this covenant that was recorded in, uh, as part of, of what we know and have as Deuteronomy, this covenant was that God said to the people that he called out of captivity in Egypt, God who was the great redeemer and rescuer says to them, today you have become my people and I have become your God. He enters into a, this unique special relationship with these, these people that were descendants of Abraham. Abraham to whom God gave the promise that he would become the father of a nation. And through that nation God would bless the entire world. It's not that, that God only loved the people of Israel. It's that God wanted them to live in a way that was unique and that was set apart. Teaching them what it means to depend on God for all that they need. And showing them the way that they must walk faithfully as an act of worship to this God who rescued and redeemed them. And the problem is the people forgot. They forgot who they were. And so this renewal of the covenant was to look and to remember these words of God who said, I enter into covenant with you. God is always the originator of the covenant. It doesn't originate with the people. It always originates with God. Because God is the only one who is able to remain faithful to the covenant. And yet we have an opportunity because of God's faithfulness to examine our lives against the example that we see in Jesus, against the words that we see captured for us in Scripture. We have an opportunity to examine our lives, to see those areas where we've fallen short and to confess those to the Lord and to renew this covenant to step again into this covenant relationship. And, and the thing that's unique about the, a covenant is that both parties have stake in it. Both parties have responsibility in the covenant. God will always uphold God's end of the covenant. We who fall short have an opportunity this morning to renew our covenant, to renew our desire to be faithful God, as God's people. And, and for those of you who are here this morning, you may, you may feel like, you know what, I, I don't even know if I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't even know if, if like, this applies to me. Friends, the invitation, regardless of where you are in your relationship with the Lord and your understanding of who God is, the invitation is to know, one, that God is always in pursuit of you, just as he was to an unfaithful people. God is always in pursuit of you. God's heart is for you. God longs for you to know the fullness of life in him. So if you have been walking faithfully with the Lord for decades, um, the opportunity is for you to remember that covenant relationship, to recommit yourself to following faithfully in the footsteps of Jesus and to walking in relationship with the Lord. And if you're here this morning and this is all new to you, it's an opportunity for you to examine. Maybe you're at the end of your rope and you realize, you know what, I, the things that I've been pursuing and chasing and trying to fill my life with, they've just left me empty and broken. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to hear an invitation into covenant relationship with God made possible by Jesus who gave his life so that we might be forgiven. To examine your life in the way that David did when he realized and was brought face to face with his brokenness. Let me read these beautiful words from Psalm 51. This great prayer of contrition and confession of David. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So in this prayer book of the people of God, the example that Josiah followed was of his ancestor David, who when brought face to face with his sin and his brokenness and the way that that sin affected him and his family and affected the kingdom, the people around him, the example that Josiah sees is one of humility, of humbling himself, examining his life, and offering to the Lord, confessing his sin, and asking that God would create in him a willing spirit, a clean heart, a desire to continue to be faithful, to, to allow himself to be picked up, and to continue on the journey. Friends, we have the opportunity to do that this morning to confess together our shortcomings. As we examine this new year and examine our lives, consider that, that even the desire uh, to, to make a resolution, even the desire to improve something about our lives is an acknowledgement of the brokenness in this world. It is in some ways an act of confession. I haven't cared for myself the way that I should. I haven't loved others the way that I should. I haven't been as faithful as, as I should. I'm going to give us just a moment, just a moment of silence to maybe invite the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what some of those things might be. And then we are going to pray together a prayer of confession. And then we are going to hear words of assurance as we prepare to approach the Lord's table together. So I invite you just to take a moment. Friends, the word, words for this prayer will be on the screen. Pray with me. O righteous God, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, see me as I fall down before you. Forgive my unfaithfulness in not having done your will, for you have promised mercy to me if I turn to you with my whole heart. God, you require that I shall put away all idols that distract me from you. I hear from the bottom of my heart, renounce them all, covenanting with you that no known sin shall be allowed in my life. Against your will, I have turned my love toward the world. In your power, I will watch all temptations that will lead me away from you. For my own righteousness is riddled with sin, unable to stand before you. 
Through Christ, you have offered to be my God again. Jesus, I do here on bended knees accept you as the only new and living way and sincerely join myself in a covenant with you. O Jesus, I come to you hungry, sinful, miserable, blind, and naked, unworthy even to wash the feet of your servants. I do here with all my power accept you as my Lord and head. I renounce my own attempts at worthiness and vow that you are the Lord, my righteousness. I renounce my own wisdom and take you for my only guide. I renounce my own will and take your will as my law. Amen.